Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged Podcast, and something you didn't know, I'm a poet. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Thanks so much, and leave a review. Welcome back to the Relatively Damaged Podcast by Damaged Parents, where dyslexic, different, successful people come to learn maybe, just maybe, we're all a little bit damaged. Someone once told me it's safe to assume 50% of the people I meet are struggling and feel wounded in some way. I would venture to say it's closer to 100%. Every one of us is either currently struggling or has struggled with something that made us feel less than. Like we aren't good enough. We aren't capable. We are relatively damaged, and that's what we're here to talk about. In my ongoing investigation of the damaged self, I want to better understand how others view their own challenges. Maybe it's not so much about the damage. Maybe it's about our perception and how we deal with it. There is a deep commitment to becoming who we are meant to be. How do you do that? How do you find balance after a damaging experience? My hero is the damaged person, the one who faces seemingly insurmountable odds to come out on the other side whole. Those who stare directly into the face of adversity with unyielding persistence to discover their purpose. These are the people who inspire me to be more fully me, not in spite of my trials, but because of them. Let's hear from another hero. Today's topic includes sensitive material which may not be appropriate for children. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as advice. The opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Today we're going to talk with Stephanie DeSantis. She has many roles in her life, sister, aunt, half-sister, daughter, and more. We'll talk about how she struggled to find self-worth after feeling different because of her dyslexia and how she found health and healing. Let's talk. Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged Podcast, and something you didn't know, I'm a poet. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Thanks so much, and leave a review. Welcome back to Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. Today, we have Stephanie DeSantis with us. She once felt as if she was lost and not found. She cried many nights into the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I bet that made it a little salty, but, you know, we're still in the middle of the introduction, so she can't answer that question yet. She was miserable for decades, people-pleasing feeling unworthy, seeking love through others. Her life looked perfect on the outside, yet she was numbing and empty on the inside, and she felt trapped. She was riddled with confusion, uncertainty, and guilt. Today, that life is in the rearview mirror for her, and she coaches women to do the same, to put all that stuff that doesn't work in the rearview mirror. Thank you so much for coming to the show, and did it make the ice cream salty. 
No, it didn't make the ice cream saucy, but it, I did have a favorite. My favorite was always New York super fudge chunks. So if I knew I was going to that kind of ice cream, I knew, okay, there was some stuff going on within that needed to be let loose. So at some point, it sounds like that ice cream became a trigger for you to really self-reflect or self-inquire somehow. Yeah. I mean, I think it started off kind of differently. I think it started off as kind of like it was my friend and it was one of those situations where it didn't judge me. It felt like it loved me. It comforted me. There was different textures in it. And it was a place where I just felt like I wasn't being judged. I mean, I'm sure at some level I was judging myself, but I felt like it was just this space where I just would fall apart and you know? Yeah. Like where your mess could show up. Yeah. Maybe if other people were around to see it, like having other people around was not an option at that point in time. Just, it was not okay to show anyone else your yeah. mess, but yeah. you could show the ice cream because right. right. Ben and Jerry's is it's not the same as a person. <laughs> right. No, no, definitely, definitely not. I think the other thing too, is that there is even this aspect of, you know, you, quietly take the spoon out you quietly go into the fridge you take the whole pint because in your world that's a bowl right (laughs) and you discreetly sneak upstairs and that container ends up in a trash barrel in someplace else in the house that no one's going to see when you're done with it Mm. yeah I remember as a kid my mom loved ice cream and (laughs) we would (laughs) go sneak the ice cream when you're talking about sneaking that spoon out of the drawer and quietly you know and especially in the old drawers trying to be quiet yeah oh and then she knew it's like how in the world did you it was the same it would it did not look the same we did not have cell phones back in the day right yeah (laughs) that sounds like and I think in some ways for me there was some shame that I wanted ice cream but I wasn't supposed to have it was there ever like was it like a going to the ice cream with I can't share like this idea, but maybe not consciously being aware that I'm ashamed of me and I can't share that with other people. So I'm going to share it with ice cream. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at some level, you know, cause again, like I said, I, I was a huge people pleaser and it started at a very, very young age. I am the oldest and I really know that my dad wanted a son and I felt that and I felt like okay, I'm starting out right out of the gate, not being what you want me to be. And then, you know, growing up with dyslexia and feeling different there. I feel as though very early on, there were these aspects of me that never felt like I was enough. And it created this people pleasing because if I felt that about myself and other people felt that about me, and it just started this journey of being a people pleaser because I couldn't use myself as a mirror. So I needed others to reflect back to me of who I was. And to make you okay. Yeah. And they liked me. Yeah. If they liked me, if they loved me, if they thought I was good enough, I was okay. But at the same time, sometimes it felt like their projections onto me were even more than I could handle at a young age. What do you mean by their projections onto you? You know, we set the story of what we believe this person wants us to be or how we should behave. You know, we get into that whole land of the shoulds. And I feel as though we create a story based off of that projection that we feel that actually may not be projecting from them at all. But that's how we're interpreting it at a young age. 
Okay. So I think I understand what you're saying. So I think what you're saying is there's something that happens inside of me. And I tell, even if I'm a people pleaser, maybe I'm telling myself this story about the other person's behavior and whether or not what I'm doing is pleasing them. And if not, then I assume it's about me and not about them. Right. Right. Cause again, in my world, it was never about them. It was never that they had a bad day. It was, I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't good enough or I wasn't love enough, lovable enough, you know, something of low, low, along those lines. Right. So anything that they did, it was you, which I think that's actually really interesting to talk about. I don't think we really think about how often it's these stories we tell ourselves about what other people are doing impacts that then in turn impacts us. And then yet they've got their own stories about us. It's like walking down the street and worried about what you're wearing and they're the other person's walking the other way and they're worried about what they're wearing, but neither person it's like, there's a disconnect almost, even though Mm -hmm. there's this people pleasing thing going on too. Like there's this total, is there a, I think disconnection, is that the right word? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think at some level, you know, we're so worried about what's going on internally within ourselves that sometimes we don't have the ability to see reality with clear eyes. And how did you get from, I read in your sheet that the listeners aren't seeing right now, that for you, it was, it seems like from what I read, it was really your weight was the trigger to you investigating and really getting to see some of this stuff? Or did you see it before that? Yeah. So for me, it was like, there was this whisper within that, you know, I had, I gotten married to please my grandparents. I had was fortunate enough to live in a three family with them growing up and they're Italian and I saw them every day and they would tell me, Oh, our dying was just to see you get married. And I'd be like, but Nana, then I'm going to move. And she'd be like, oh, but I'll be at peace. And I loved them so, so much. And I had so much gratitude for everything they gave me. And again, I couldn't use my own judgment at some level of the man I should marry. And everybody loved my boyfriend. And I was like, okay, you fit their boxes. Great. I'm off and running. Well, and that's a lot of pressure too. Yeah. And so I got married and they were so happy. I'm great, great. And after I got married, I gained 75 pounds within six months. Oh, now the, just the look on your face and how you ended that sentence is just like, were you devastated? I was like, what did I do? <laughs> like, what did I just do? And then I could hear my mother be like, well, you've made your bed. Now you lay in it, <sighs> you know, and I created that voice, even though she may not have said that to me, yeah. but I had heard her say it in the past. It was like, now that was there. And I came from the belief of, from a divorced family, like, oh, that's not going to be me. That's not going to oh, be me. Yeah. So now I've got like, so now no, you're, like, you're totally like, stuck. You're screwed like, right then. No wonder why she ended up in the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you probably felt like you were in hell. Yeah, I did. And he was a good man. And I was just like, what did you do? And I felt now I'm feeling guilt and shame and all these emotions in my weight just like skyrocketed up to like 210 pounds. And I 
didn't even recognize myself. I didn't necessarily care anymore about what I looked like, whatever. But there was a pea-sized whisper that started within. Can you even say the first time you heard that whisper? Do you remember? You know, I honestly can't. I just remember it was so faint and it was almost like, you're here for more. And I, then once it got louder and louder, I was like, I got to drown you out. Now I'm drowning it out with the ice cream because now I'm confused. I'm like, what do you mean I'm here for more? Like what, what's going on here? And it, the whisper just started to get louder and louder. And some people call it your intuition or your gut or whatever, but it started to get louder that I had a much greater purpose on this earth than I ever thought. And I've been so busy trying to please all these other people that I couldn't even hear it. I was burying it. And then once I could hear it, I was confused by it. I was overwhelmed by it. I was like, oh, wait a second. I live an ordinary life. There's nothing special here. I think you have the wrong person. And it's well, like, right? and I, I don't think either that we really even talk to like, ah, oh, I don't think we talk to our kids. I don't think we talk to them about intuition. I don't think we talk to them about listening to their heart. It's so funny. I have a funny story that you might chuckle at it. And my, one of my oldest daughter recently saved and bought a car and, you know, she was like, gosh, it, every, everybody had their opinion. And I looked at her and I was like, well, did I do that? She said, no, mom, you were worse. You just told me to follow my heart because <laughs> I wouldn't give her an opinion. But how do you learn that? If you don't, if someone's not there to say, listen, And I think in our generation, which I I don't know if I'm aging you or myself because you look great, we didn't talk about how do you listen? How do you find that peace? What happens when you don't listen? Yeah, right. I'm a Gen X and I'll be 50 next month. And I came from a mother and a grandmother that they were wallpaper. They had no voice. They were quiet they were depressed. They had no, they didn't even have the skill set to teach me any of that because they didn't even know how to do it for themselves. Yeah. Because you had to look a certain way. I mean, I think that got passed down to me too. Like if I didn't behave a certain way or do a certain thing, Mm -hmm. then I was of no value. So I'm thinking you're smiling. I'm thinking maybe that was kind of the same feeling. Like if I don't do this just right, then I'm not valuable. So then that people pleasing comes along and I absolutely have to please people because that's the only way to get anywhere. What I did notice though, when I look back at it, is that it was more men than anything. And so it came back to like, oh, does this have to really do with my dad? And, you know, wanting to that approval of my dad and seeking out that. And even with my husband at the time, it was a situation of like, I didn't want to disappoint him. I started to notice that I didn't want to disappoint my boss that was a male. Like the women, it was like, I just didn't feel like, even though sometimes they were the more judging people, I didn't feel as though I was working so hard to please them. So at some point you figured out, yeah, the yeah. people pleasing was really there was a, a connection to men. Yeah, there's a definitely a deep root there. Yeah, so here I am, you know, now married, and over 210 pounds, and on a five foot one frame, and I'm miserable, absolutely miserable. And it's like, okay, and I'm hearing this whisper, and I'm fighting with the whisper, and it's almost like you know when people go through you can call it an awakening. You can call it, you know, there's so many different words for it. I'm done. I wasn't there just yet, but there's something stirring within and you it's, it can be so scary and so overwhelming and having the courage to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to go with it. And so I started following it a little bit more and 
listening to it a little bit more and being terrified by it a little bit more. Yeah. And when you first started following it, Mm -hmm. did it feel like even just that little bit of following was Mm -hmm. like taking a huge leap off of a cliff? Oh yeah. Every time it's like, just to inquire more, it's like, you have these days where it's like, okay, yes, I can do anything. And then you're like, okay, no, I'm going to be a shrinking violet. I feel much safer there, but this voice says I could do anything. And you're like, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Not today. (laughs) I bet there are so many people out that relate to that right there. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, Wonder Woman, she makes it look so easy. It's like, okay, but that's just so not how our reality is. Yeah. And then when you decide you're going to shift or grow even a little bit, the people around us are like, stop the bus. I don't want you to change. Well, it it would totally disrupt their life too, if we change, right? So, and I think that it's like we have to, it is helpful walking into that change, knowing that, but I don't think we get to walk into it knowing that all the time. Like yeah. someone who listens to this podcast, hopefully before this is happening for them, right? Like that would be right. great. They'll know that, but right, yeah. most of the time it's, yeah, just terrifying. And I think you get to a point where it takes you to this point where it's like, there's no turning back now. Mm. There's no turning back. Once you know what you know, you can't go backwards. You can't undo and be who you once were. And that part you're like, and you, for me personally, it was like the universe was like now pulling me into this new self. And I was like, okay. And I started really with baby steps. Honestly, it's like read a book, do a podcast, listen to something in audiobooks in the car, you know, all these little things things that I started to do. And then I started growing stronger and developing more skills. And I think that there's so many people out there that you hear, oh, it's baby steps, whatever. But yet in our minds, we're like, it should be like Rome. It's just like built overnight. But Rome wasn't built overnight. Like it's like, it should be just instant because we don't want to experience the pain or what's going to come. It's part of what I feel personally is that it's one of those journeys where you go through all these experiences and you have to have big, deep boots on. But once you get through it, now you're in the grass and then you're in a field of flowers and then you're in a place where it's like, it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's magnificent. There still can be days that you're going to need your muddy boots, but it's not the same because you evolve and grow so much. Like there's some peace even though it's muddy, the sun is out and you can still see the flowers and the sky yeah. is still blue or I'm just yeah. trying to give yeah. myself a visual. Yeah. And it's, about. yeah. It's, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like everything gets easier because now you're building the muscles. Now you're really building the skill set, And now you, you hear yourself clear. You trust yourself more. You start to be like, yeah, maybe I do've got this. Maybe I do have this. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I and again, it's kind of stepping into that mindset. And then I had a situation where I did my when I started getting to my coaching program because now I'm following the whisper. I'm listening. I'm going and doing the steps. I'm following what everything is supposed to say. And I decided to do a coaching program because I was like, okay, this is what I feel like I'm doing. And I have to say like I personally had what I believe is the divine helping me. 
because I was having all these random things fall into my place in my lap. And so I decided to do this wonderful coaching program. But when I went to tell my husband that I was going to do it, he actually threatened to divorce me. Oh, when you were saying you wanted to go do coaching. Yep. Yep. Oh, because that was, yeah, it started back in 2012 where coaching isn't what it is now. And I was so devastated by the fact that he had said that. And that was a huge point for me. And I remember as clear as day, I walked away and I was crying and I'm walking up the steps and I heard, I started saying, I choose me, I choose me. And for the first time in my entire life, I meant it. Wow. I meant it. And I was crying and I was like, I choose me, I choose me. And I remember clearly sitting on the edge of the bed, but I could feel something that was just like, you're here for more. It's all going to be okay. And you are worthy. You are worthy. And it was like, it was such a huge transformational moment for me because after that moment, I said, I choose me a lot. And I stepped forth out of the shadow of what all this people pleasing had caused for me, you know, and I stepped into like knowing I may not know where I'm going, but I know I'm have the courage to do it because my life has taught me to be resilient, you know? So even though you had all the people pleasing and and the other things, you also had this deep understanding that no matter what you did, it would be okay. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I look back at when I grew up with dyslexia, I mean, I still have it, but it's like, but I would fail like my spelling test week after week, after week, after week. And I'd pull myself up and I'd put myself back together and be like, okay. And it was teaching me resilience. It was teaching me never to give up. It was teaching me all of these things. And as painful as it was that I felt so different as a little girl, that it was giving me all this foundation for when I got to this point in my life that I could lean into that and mm-hmm. be like, wow, I, I'm, I am resilient. I do have that. I am. I never give up. I always move forward. And there's a difference between choosing something different because it, this is not going to serve you and actually giving up. There's times in our lives where it's like, okay, I've come as far as I can. I've gotten what I need and I can let this go versus like, I just quit you know, and Mm -hmm. I just wasn't, I just, it wasn't in me and to do that. Right. But I love how you looked back to, you know, yes, there was this challenge with the dyslexia and it taught me resilience. And because I had that and I knew I had that, I then could take the next step, which is, which, what, what was the next step? You told your husband, you chose yourself. What happened? (laughs) So, so I actually did my coaching program. He backed down for a little while. I got myself together. I worked on myself some more. And then the day came. And I will be honest. I think I asked my husband for a divorce every spring for like a good seven years. And then I would back down. Right. But this time, this spring, I didn't back down. Mm. I asked for a divorce. And I stepped into my own light and my own power. I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't kind of shaking in my boots a little, but I knew I got it. I knew I did. And I sold my house after and my left my marriage after 16 years and I moved on. And what was interesting was because people might be wondering about the weight part of it. So I did lose some of the weight before that. But the more that I stepped into my truth, the more that I went within, the more that I listened to within 
the more the weight came off by itself. So you didn't go make any special changes or purposeful changes. Well, with food, I guess is what I, what I want to say. The purposeful thing you did was say, I'm following my soul's deeper purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by making choices in alignment with that, it just. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because again, at the end of the day, it's like, if you're not trying to drown something or suffocate something or whatever, and you give it space, no matter how hard it is, no matter how tough it feels, we get to experience these emotions as part of freeing our spirit, freeing our soul to express itself, you know? And so we have to clear all those layers out. And once we clear all those layers out, then all all of a sudden you start to love yourself. And when you love yourself, you make different choices Mm, because you you love yourself because you show up differently for yourself first. Ooh, that's pretty deep. Yeah. And so really it's, gosh, it's just making those choices. And I heard you say giving enough room and there is a parable, which you may or may not have heard. It's about salt. It's the become a lake parable. An aging Hindu master grew tired of his apprentice complaining. So one morning, the master sent his apprentice for some salt. When the apprentice returned, the master instructed the unhappy young man to put a handful of salt in a glass of water and then drink it. How does it taste? The master asked. Bitter, spit the apprentice. The master chuckled and then asked the young man to take the same amount of salt and put it in the lake. The two walked in silence to a nearby lake, and once the apprentice swirled his handful of salt in the water, the old man said, now drink from the lake. As the water dripped down the young man's chin, the master asked, how does it taste? Much fresher, remarked the apprentice. Do you taste the salt, asked the master. No, said the young man. At this, the master sat beside the young man who so reminded him of himself and took his hands, offering, the pain of life is pure salt, no more, no less. The amount of pain in life remains the same, exactly the same, but the amount of bitterness we taste depends on the container we put it in. So when you are in pain, the only thing you can do is to enlarge your sense of things. Stop being a glass, become a lake. And what you said, like so perfectly reminded me of that. It's like all of a sudden you were giving room to all these feelings and listening. And mm-hmm. it sounds like almost like freedom yeah, to be who you were meant to be, but you had to own it first. Yeah. Yeah. I literally did work on myself for a year before I asked for my divorce A feeling. I so had not wanted to feel so many different emotions that I actually worked with a woman for a year on feeling and literally feel like feeling different. Yep. Yep. So one of the exercises that could be great for anybody is if you go to your playlist on your phone and you just listen to one song after another, after another, you can't change it and feel how you feel every song and what it brings up for you and what emotion it connects to what story does it share what's in that story and it's you can just go through this wave of emotions and you can see and feel how every bit of music changes within your body wow it's almost like an investigation of yeah 
what is this feeling? What do I recognize? Mm-hmm. Is am yeah. I contracting or feeling angry or whatever? Yeah. Like, yeah. wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I had songs that, you know, that I would listen to that I would always cry. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, but if I'm showing an emotion and I'm crying, what's the story there? What am I connecting it back to? Where is it really going? Like an amazing investigation that I did. And so I spent a year feeling and learning to understand that emotions, because I'm very visual, started to think about emotions are like clouds. Mm -hmm. Some days we have a stormy cloud. It seems like it's sitting right over us. It wants to pour all over us, do its thing, and it won't go anywhere. And then it passes. It always passes. That's an important thing to remember. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then we have other ones that are like white and fluffy and they're happy and they show up and then they pass. And then sometimes they're passing at rapid speed. So I started to use this visual of clouds with emotions and it gave me a sense of calmness of like, okay, just like the clouds pass, this emotion will pass too. Wow. So when you would get into maybe like a really strong emotion. Mm-hmm. And maybe I call them the uh, unfun or dysregulating emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like you had this peace of mind that it's just like the clouds in the sky and it will pass. So then yeah. did that on some level make it that much easier to sit with it? Yeah, it did. Because again, like the clouds, it's going to pass. So like quite literally, you could just sit there and be like, yeah, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling frustrated and just not have to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. Just have awareness. And like you said, even sometimes just bringing it out and calling out what it is relieves it. It's like, hello, I'm here for a reason. I want you to investigate me. I want you to talk to me. I want you to ask me, why am I here? And I will share it with you. And so many people just, and I was one of them. I will say it's like, nope, just stuff that away. I don't have time for that. I'll come back to you later. But, it, but what happens is they become like screaming children Yeah. where it's like, okay, if you take that five minutes, it won't turn into an emotional meltdown for you later. If you just say, okay, I'm going to give you five minutes. What's wrong? What do you need? What am I doing? What am I afraid of? What am, what's going on? And then you can regulate and say, am I going into the future and I'm not even aware that's what's causing this? Or am I, what behavior am I doing where I'm causing this and I'm not even aware that I'm causing it? Ooh, that's interesting, right? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. we aren't aware. So how did you, just to sidetrack into that, I think sometimes it's people in our lives that are our mirrors. We get called out and don't even, you know, sometimes it's like, nah, no way. I'm not that. (laughs) Right, right, right. In getting to understand your emotions and things like that, was it also, as you begin to understand emotions, was it also easier to communicate with other people and to hear that feedback and to maybe even say, oh, yeah, I could see that in me. I could see where you would feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. You start to own your shit. There's no other way to put it. Like you just do. Like your ego seems to start to get checked at the door, which is huge. Because now you can show up and be like, okay, I can understand my behavior doing this, or I need to reframe this, or maybe I could be a better listener, or maybe I could express myself differently. The other part of it too, is that we're all responsible for our own emotions. And that was another big part of it is that situation happens. It's good, bad, and indifferent. 
It's how I choose to feel about it is how I'm going to feel about it. Ooh, that's so true. How I choose to feel about it. So then, but you're walking through these situations. This is new for you. Let's say Mm -hmm. we're near the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes was it like, yeah, I would like to be over there and I'm just rawr. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, again, sometimes, sometimes you feel like a cactus on the inside and the outside, right? You know, there's no getting around that as they, you know, and I started actually doing a ton of this work too, during the pandemic. Mm. So that was part of that too. So it was definitely, there's a lot of lavender. Lavender's become my best friend. There's definitely <laughs> lavender. Because the scent lavender is relaxing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. So even in dealing with these moments that were mm-hmm. uh, highly dysregulating or. D- yeah. We're having a human experiences. I mean, that's really what we are. And I think that's what I think so much of us or so many people forget is that we're human beings and we're having human experiences. And when you have a human experience, sometimes they're uncomfortable and sometimes they're beautiful and sometimes they're messy and sometimes they're all of the above, but it's still a human experience. Yeah. And so what I was learning was to interact with these human experiences that I was having as I'm peeling the layers off the onion that I've created so I can get to the beautiful center, which is my true self. Like your true nature and yeah. being love. Yeah. And by loving myself enough. Yeah. And one of the things that I said to my husband when I asked for our divorce was, I love you and I love me enough to let this go. It took a while to get there, though, I'm sure, before you could say, I love you and I love me enough. Like, Oh, Even yeah. after you made that choice in 2012 to start loving you, it, you know, what I think would be probably great in that situation though, is that there wasn't anything about having to make him wrong, make him the bad guy, mm-hmm. no blaming. It's nope. just, Hey, nope. these two things don't seem to be able to exist together. And so we need to, to move on. Yeah. And I think that was one of the beautiful parts for me is that at some point, like my ego got checked. And I didn't need to, move, I didn't live through it. I didn't need to be right. I didn't need to have blame. I didn't need to have any of those things. I didn't need to get angry and have all these negative emotions to do something about it. And I think that what comes into play is that it's like, there's this level of strength and clarity that comes from when he's a good man, he's been good to you. You've had a great life from the outside looking in, you know, but yet at the same time, you're miserable and getting to the point of saying, you know what? A lot of people would stay in the situation until they died, but I choose not to, because there's no way in hell on my 80th birthday, I'm going to be blown on my candle saying, I wish I had. And getting to that point where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, even though all these boxes look great on the outside, but for me, they're not. And that's what really matters is for me, they're not, I am here for more. I have served my time here. I have done what I've done. I love you enough to let you go. I love me enough to love me and move forth. Yeah. Mm, That's a beautiful message. I just really love that. Okay. So someone's on the edge and Mm -hmm. what are the top three things? Yeah. If they're on the edge that you would say, start here. So I would say if you're able to just journal, And again, if you don't want anybody to see it, there's apps like Otter that are out there. There's apps that you can do. Just release it. 
just open your heart and just pour it into a cup somewhere. If it's an app, if it's a journal, if it's whatever it is, and then you can burn it after if you really want to. I would say is a huge, huge part of it. The other thing that I would say is you can start with something small. As like I said to me, I choose me. You used it more like a mantra. I did end up using it more like a mantra. Yeah. You know, something as simple as that. And it wasn't an I am powerful statement. It was I choose me. And whatever it is that kind of comes up through you, use those simple words to talk to yourself and just keep saying them. Just say them and say them and say them until you believe them. Because you may not believe them in the beginning. You may or may not have that P size in you. But if you're at this point, there is a P inside of you that is a seed that wants you to love it and give it nourishment. And if you choose one small item to say to yourself, to act for yourself, to do for yourself, that's enough for today. And you just keep doing one baby step at a time and they'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, and it's like you hear people start with these huge grand gestures, but if you're not there, you're not there and it's okay. You're going to get there. You're going to get there and know that there's people out there. There's people like myself. There's so many other people out there. It doesn't matter who you hire or who you work with. We've walked the mile. We've been there. And I think the other thing that even back to my dyslexia taught me, I have empathy for people and compassion because I know what it was like to feel different or feel alone or go through even all that I've been through, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just, you don't have to do it alone. You weren't brought here on this earth to do it alone. We have villages, we have community, we have friends, we have family, we have people outside of us, bartenders. Why do people talk to them? because they're another human being to connect with. Yeah. So they're out there. They're out there. You are never alone. Never. Mm, I love that. Stephanie DeSantis. You can find her at stephaniedesantis.com. She's also on Instagram, Stephanie DeSantis underscore life upgrade. And she's on Facebook, stephanie.desantis.5245. I love those Facebook. <laughs> right. Yeah, they make them so, so nice and fun. That was so beautiful. <laughs> but no, really, I'm so grateful I got to have you on the show. Your soul is just beautiful. I feel like there's this huge sense of, it doesn't matter if someone shows you your mess, you, you just love. And I, mm-hmm. that is like one of the best messages I think anyone can send in today's world. So thank you for being a light of love. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged podcast. And something you didn't know, I'm a poet. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Thanks so much and leave a review. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. We really enjoyed talking to Stephanie about how she learned to talk nicely to herself. We especially liked when she spoke about how she found her voice and her path and now helps others. To unite with other damaged people, connect with us on YouTube. Look for Damaged Parents. 
will be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.